one born in this millennium has a better than evens chance of living to age 100. Even if you're 60, there's a good chance you'll live past 90. Yet most of the financial advice we see is based around a time when people live shorter lives and it hasn't aged well and is probably wrong. The Century Plan looks at the financial decisions needed to maintain a comfortable lifestyle where your money outlives you and not the other way around. I'm Dennis Hall, I'm a Chartered Financial Planner and I've been giving people financial advice for almost 40 years. And I'm Sarah Steele, I work with Dennis and I'm here to ask questions on behalf of you, our listeners, and to keep things on the right side of technical. This is episode seven of the Century Plan podcast. Um, Dennis, are we talking about Warren Buffett today? Um, no, we were going to be talking about Warren Buffett. Oh. But <laughs> okay. Well, I've been having some conversations this week that have got me thinking about vulnerability um, right. and even humility. Uh, okay. And do you know this podcast is all about um, essentially getting the best outcomes for people? Yes. It occurs to me that people still have this stereotypical image of what a financial advisor is or their perceptions. Mm. And that's come through on some conversations. And I think that you know, the world has changed a little bit. I want to talk about my own vulnerabilities okay. in my work as a financial advisor and how I've been able to use those, I think, to help my clients get better outcomes in their lives yeah. and probably talk about what a meaningful conversation with an advisor looks like. Yeah. You know, I have this vision in my mind sometimes of people who might walk into a financial advisor's office yeah. with with their, you know, if a human version of money, Mr. Money, if they took their, their money and sat them on the chair, if the advisor could have the conversation with the money and the clients walk out of the door, yes. is that the right conversation to have? Okay. No, okay. I don't think it is. So, yeah. but, you know, so often I think advisors do simply talk to the money. Yes. Yeah. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, actually, we put together an animation just on this subject, which I might link to our Twitter page, which is how should it feel when you talk to a financial advisor? Yeah, I think what the process looks like. Yeah. Um, and we can, I think today we can add a bit of flavour around that animation. Yeah. Um, th this human side. This, these conversations I've had, um, I was contacted by my very first boss in financial services this week, mm. who... I mean, has just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and contacted, of all the advisors he's seen in his life um, go through, you know, his, his in managing, has asked me to go and help them with their sort of their work, which I, I'm very honoured to have been sort of um, thought about and yeah. chosen. Um, and I had a conversation all last week with somebody who, who wants to work with us as clients. But the most recent conversation with you this morning... Right. As part of okay. my preparation for today. Right, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> You'll remember no. it when I say it. Right. I asked you if you had, um, how would you feel if you went to visit a financial advisor? Oh yeah, and I had to admit that I've actually not been to see a financial advisor, mainly because I've always worked in financial services and I suppose I've picked up on things along the way. But um, And in fact, because of that, that's probably why I'm feel slightly embarrassed about going to see a financial advisor because I don't want to reveal my financial situation to someone who knows so much more about it than me. It's that perception, I think, that financial advisors are probably 
perfect, do you think? Yeah, perfect or, you know, highly technical, very knowledgeable. Um, I don't know. Possibly, very sure of themselves. Possibly judgmental. Yeah, possibly judgmental. I mean, I, for a long time, you know, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. For a long time, I just felt, well, almost had imposter syndrome. When I, whenever I yeah. would walk into a room with, with other financial advisors who were very confident. I mean, technically, I, you know, I felt I've always been able to pass my exams. I've always been ahead of the curve with those exams. Mm. Um, but I've, I've not really want to big myself up about how much I know. I'm more concerned with what I still don't know. Yeah. And so that makes me feel a little bit vulnerable. And yet I meet these people who are incredibly confident with their investment solutions or this or that or the other, you know, to do with, finan- to do with um, financial advice. Yeah. And I don't feel like that, actually. What, you don't feel like other financial advisors? Well, I don't think I do. No. Well, although, to be fair, the cohort of financial advisors coming through today that I sort of interact with at some of these um, conferences I go to are much more human. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there is that perception of what a financial advisor looks like when I first started. They pinstripe or chalk striped suits, braces, brogues, or, or, you know, that kind of mm. look... And, I, you know, the, the, the look that s- just says city, yes. city of London, and you yeah. think, oh, goodness me. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, I started in financial services down here in the West Country and then moved to London. Okay. And, actually, it, it, and it took me a little while to find out that I, they didn't know any more than I knew. Right. Right. Um, it's just they just lived in London, yeah. and they've just had more confidence. But yeah, Shinier. you know, yeah. down here in the uh, down here in the countryside, you think it's a different world. Yeah, and it, uh, it 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 isn't, and the people aren't different really. But I started doing work with um with this uh, American former advisor called George Kinder, who's considered around the world of financial advice uh, around the world literally mm. as the father of financial life planning. Okay, this bit that tries to connect the money to the human yeah you know what's it all about yeah um and it does does get to that conversation if you can have that conversation purely with the money mm. where's the connection to the people who own the money yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's I, what i've always liked about what we do is it's much more about the person it, it's it's pretty much all, all about, about the, person. the person yeah um so I, I, I went to do this work with George, and a lot of this work is about putting yourself in the situation. So he talks about a, a safe container. Okay. You need to allow your, that the people you're working with to feel able to express their biggest fears, their wildest dreams, all the things that they want to do, but, but social convention or something might prevent them from talking about mm. it. And I wasn't getting a lot out of this work because I'm sat there doing this work in a room of other financial advisors and already feeling, just because of the way I am, that, that um, well, I, you know, I've got my own issues around money. We've all got issues around money. Yeah. Um, so I would just act through, you know, what are your, you know, what's your most embarrassing story about money might be one of the exercises. Mm. And you know, I think, oh, well, Painful. what can I admit to in public? <laughs> oh, you know, and you, and you make something up. So you're not really, no. I know exactly how clients feel yeah. because that's how I would feel mm. coming in. I don't want to talk about this in front of you people over there. No. So I could never really move on. 
No, I, I'm doing I these courses. Yeah, I mean, but then you are in amongst your peers, which is always the worst place to be open. It, it is. <laughs> or feels like it. It's uncomfortable. Um, it's a slightly different dynamic than the relationship with a client. But I know what you're saying. But I do see that with clients. They come in, and you can see it in their body language, in the words that they use, is that you know, not everybody, but a lot of people, and a lot more that we, than, than I might have imagined, mm. are very reticent about opening themselves up mm. and talking about what the, the things that are really fearful. Some people just hate money. Yeah. Some people are very frightened of money. Some people have a lot of guilt around it. You know, I've met, I've met people that have inherited money, and it's kind of, I don't know what to do with this. This has come from my parents. I really wish they'd spent it. I don't want it. Mm. Um, it, it, all kinds of things. So George sort of set me on the path. But it wasn't until I met um, Dr. Maria Nemeth. Mm-hmm. Um, from, uh, she uh, sort of got a PhD in clinical psychology from UCLA in California. Interesting fact, she knocked around with Dennis Hopper and did a student film, but she didn't follow acting. She did clinical psychology um, and a lot of work around money. She's written a book called The Energy of Money, which I've read, and also another one, Mastering Life's Energies. One of those books, on, uh, she was invited onto Opera Winfrey show, which is apparently okay. big news in America. Yeah, definitely. I've never seen the show. Haven't you? No. Right. <laughs> no. I mean, I know who Opera is. Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Uh, so we did this course. This, I did this course in London with her probably 15 years ago. And she opened the course with a, a story of her own. Um, you know, she's, she'd gone to UCLA. She'd got a PhD, the first person in her family, sort of Eastern European uh, uh, emigres into the, into the States post-war. Um, and she, at the end of the course, she'd been sort of presented with an investment opportunity by someone she knew within their circle of friends. And, you know, the family said, well, what do you think, Maria? Should we do this? Here's the family money. You're the one with the brains. And she Mm. said, yeah, this looks good. Let's do it. And she put all of their money and their family money into this scheme that ended up being a Ponzi scheme. You know, it broke in the local area. Um, Devastated. Guilt. She probably still feels Mm. guilt to this day. The interesting thing that she said and that she related is that the local radio station of this Ponzi scheme um, sort of got exposed. They phoned her up and said, look, as a newly qualified local lo- you know, local person, um, what do you think about people that get sucked into Ponzi schemes? <laughs> and sort of ummed and ahed and, and said, well, funny you should mention that, yeah. and just relayed the story of, of how she got sucked in. Mm. And the unexpected happened that people started coming to her to talk about their own things about money. It led her to be very, very interested about the human relationship with money and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve, which is where that led to, to the, the book about the energy of money. Mm. Um, so by opening up, she allowed others to open up. It's a bit like when you first meet a group of friends and someone admits to something and you go, oh God, yes, I've done that too. Yeah. And you all feel really relieved. And then your relationship becomes very open. You can it, share anything. It does. I mean, it, 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 it struck me. And as part of this course, all of us had to stand up in front of the room and talk about our own biggest fears about money. And this mm. is something I've never admitted to. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a spendthrift. I like to spend money. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I know other people love to save it. I'm not one of those people, but and I know I need to. That's what I tell my clients, save. And yet there I do. I walk down a street in London, see a painting in a shop window and buy it and stick it on the wall. Then the money should have gone into my pension. So I know what I should be doing. I yeah. just don't always do it. And that that's it, it, that was sort of part of my personality. So I'm I'm on this course and I stand up and it's my turn and I don't want to do it. Right. I'm about to construct another story of what my biggest fear about money might be. Yeah. Da 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 da. Yeah. Thinking, you know, I've just wasted if I do that I've wasted so many thousands of pounds on this course because I'm not going to get the personal breakthrough from this that I think I need right now. So big breath stand up to the room my biggest fear about money is i just don't know how to save it and the floor didn't open up and swallow me up no. um, nobody laughed it was kind of hmm, yeah and next i just imagine there were people sat there going god it's not just me then yeah and there were other people who you know just afterwards came to me and saying well oh, i'm glad you told me that dennis i need to have a chat with you because i am unable to spend money i have a huge fear right. and i know i've got more than enough but i just have huge fear you know about spending money so we all can't imagine that from <laughs> struggle to nor can I yeah. anyway but yeah <laughs> sorry but there there is that thing so I now thought well one what I discovered that when I admitted to that I felt good about it because mm. nobody laughed at me no. it seemed normal yeah and my behavior well, I was going to say stopped. It didn't stop. I can still spend money. Yeah. But I don't spend anything like the amount of money that I was doing. All those paintings that I amassed, and it was art, mainly yes. art. Yeah. And I don't know what was driving that. Probably yeah. a, I want to be seen as someone who owns art. Yeah. I don't know. You know, <laughs> had a, you know. Um, it's a bit of a show of wealth, isn't it? A display of wealth. It's a something. Yeah, status. Now I've, I've sold most of it because I haven't got the wall space for it. Okay. So it wasn't all wasted and I've made some profit. Yeah. Um, so it may be, maybe not such a bad thing. But I need my clients and the people I work with to be able to feel the same thing. Yeah. So I've got to create that safe space for them. And the, and the easiest way I found about creating that safe space is to let them know that, you know, although I might know and, uh, 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 you know, I've read all the books that you need to read. I've mm. passed all the exams I need to pass. Yeah. You know, um, I do my continuous professional development. Yeah. My knowledge is up to date. That I still have my issues around money and I have to mm. share that. Yeah. And it's what I do. You know, and I come in and I might say something like, uh, and I might say just that to somebody as they walk through, through the door and say, look, I, I, I need you to be open and I need to be honest with me. We've all got problems around money. Here's mine. I just don't know how to spend it. Right. Uh, sorry, I just don't know how to save it. Right, yeah. So I have to create constructs and workarounds to, 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 to cope with my flaws. Yes. Um, so what I do is give my pay packet to my wife. And my name's <laughs> Dennis. I'm a spendthrift. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's the first step. It helps. Yeah. It really helps. And, you know, I've, I've had... Some people come back to me and said, you know, when you said that to me, Dennis, when you admitted what your mistakes were, it felt like there was a huge weight off my shoulders. Mm. Here's someone I could talk to because I don't think I'm making the right choices around money and what I've got to do. But I've never wanted to admit that 
because I've worked in finance myself, or yeah. I've been a high, in a, you know, I've been in a high-pressure role, or you know, my the rest of my family think I've got it all covered. Yeah, that's and I a, haven't. That's true. I can imagine people feeling that way. So it's kind of yeah. Look, let's just be very open and honest about it. This isn't judgmental. We've all got problems, mm. and I want to talk to you about you. And can we remove money as being part of your identity? That's yeah. which is very difficult. But if, you know, if money was no object and there's all kinds of sort of tools and questions I can use to help people dig into who they are and how money is supposed to serve them, not them serve their money. Yeah. So if you're not having that kind of conversation with your advisor, is that ringing alarm bells? Well, I think what happens is that people go into these conversations with questions like, I want to find a, a, give me a portfolio that does X. Yeah. Where's the best place to invest? They want the money to do the best things for them, but they're asking all the wrong questions. The questions should be, here's how I want to live my life. Yeah. Here are some of the things that I need to achieve. Here are the things that are important to me or not. Mm. Can we look at what that means financially and then position the money in a way that supports that? Yeah. Not have something that said, I hear that I should be getting 10% a year on my portfolio, invest it so I get it, and then getting angry when it doesn't achieve mm. that. And you're going to miss so much as well. It's just very, it's tunnel vision. It is. But also getting people to spend it mm. can be yes. hard. I mean, not if yeah. it was me, obviously. No, well, you've spoken to someone recently about buying a car. Yeah, I do. And yeah, I think they were quite surprised that you were saying, yes, go ahead. Yeah, phone me up on a Sunday morning. Um, I saw the number, I picked it up. and I know you're going to talk me out of this, Dennis, he said, but I've seen a car I like. Yeah. And I, you know, so tell me about the car. And it, you know, classic car, 1959 or something like that, sort of a, uh, the kind of car that gets invited to the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Mm. Um, and I said, so what is it you like about the car? Well, I, you know, it, this is going to create memories for me it's going to create something for me and my children and grandchildren. And, um, and it's a lot of money. And I said, well, you can afford it. So why not? And he, <laughs> he's, well, I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and after a bit of toing and froing, because he then got cold feet. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going back and saying, are you going to buy this car? You can afford it. Yeah. Look what he's going to, let's. Concentrate on what it's going to do for you. And we eventually got him over the line right. with buying that car. Yep. And here we are probably two years later, and it's the best thing he could have ever done. That's perfect. What a great story. It's, it's phenomenal. So, but that, that's just one thing. Yeah. Um, he's expecting me as an advisor to say, no, you've got to keep it invested. You've got to do this. You've got mm. to do that. And he would have never followed his dream. No. And, I mean, and that really wasn't a guilty secret. It's just a dream. And, um, but some of us won't talk about our guilty secrets, a bit like me and wanting to buy art all the time. Um, it's not that bad. <laughs> it could have got worse. Yeah. But there are all kinds of things. You know, I just meet people. I had someone, again, another high-powered person working in the city who came to me with his wife, looking for a sort of a sense check. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it, although working in the city wasn't working with money. And 
again, the language he was using was all very self-deprecating. Well, I know you might find some things in here that I could have done better, mm. and da 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 da. Mm. And I'm thinking, hang on a moment, this isn't a, this isn't a conversation I want to be having with you. Let's stop right there. Look, tell me what you've done with your life. Well, you know, I put all my children through private school. Here's my pension. Da da da. Yeah. We don't have a mortgage anymore. And I look at this and I say, you're talking to me as though you haven't made the right decisions. But you have. And I'm pretty sure that if I, you know, if, if we picked everything apart, we might find one or two things that you could have done better with the benefit of hindsight. Mm. But you've put your children through school. You've supported them on the property ladder. You've got a mortgage-free home. You've got a pension that would allow you to retire now if you wanted to. Mm. And, it, it, and it was interesting because he's... His wife was looking at him and sort of her her chest was swelling up with pride oh. <laughs> yeah. when we were listing his achievements yeah. Yeah. and allowing him to feel as though you know, he could just have some pride. Yeah. How could somebody that successful have done all of those things feel oddly inferior to what a financial advisor might tell him he could have done better? Yeah, I think um, self-deprecating was one of the words I was thinking of when you first started talking about this because that's I've heard it with some of our clients. I mean, we we record some of the first meetings you have with them, you know, with their permission um, as a training tool for our other advisors. Um, and it, it one, it shows the sort of conversations you're having with them. But two, I've really noticed that most people get very self-deprecating about their money and their they financial do. situation. Um, it's almost like they're sort of putting a shield up straight away yeah. uh, to protect themselves with this self-deprecation. So that Let me tell you how bad I am yeah, before yeah. you tell me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I'm really interested to know why you've got pina coladas written on your mind map. <laughs> well, Are we just, having one? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm uh, not entirely sure I like I'm a pina not colada. I'm sure it's the right weather for us anyway. It's, it's, it is about this conversation uh, around money could you you know it's if you're the clients and your advisor is talking and you could leave the room and you could just have that same conversation with your money it's probably the wrong advisor to be working with right i think yeah um but that actually that the pina colada was something different i i have this vision that money can be a person right you know and whenever i'm sitting in a meeting with the clients and i'm thinking to myself don't have a conversation with the money don't have a conversation with the money yeah have a conversation with the clients yes um but i've got one client i've been working with for 20 years he started as a client and now a very good friend and um he also puts the personality to his money and he said dennis what i don't want is my money to be sat around the pool drinking pina coladas whilst i'm out there sweating (laughs) the stuff's got to work hard yeah (laughs) that's very good (laughs) That's um, very good. Uh, so actually, I'm not entirely sure why the pina colada comment is on this uh, for today, but um, it, it is about I. I want to take money from having a personality. Yeah. It's just a tool. Right. For people to live their best lives. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And my job is to help them get there, and not talk to the money. Okay. And that's probably okay. a good point to leave it. Yep. Okay, um, I'll just mention the Twitter page again. Oh yes, for people to get in touch with us, um, and you know, there's some interesting stuff on there. And I would probably just say that definitely um, the stereotypical image of the pinstripe suit is one that people do have, but that isn't necessarily what advisors are like now. I know there's a lot of younger 
sort of more laid back, you know, technically as clever, male and female advisors who are not scary to approach. So. Yeah. I mean, they do need that technical ability, for Absolutely. sure. But you don't have to lead with that. No. <laughs> Look at how clever I am. Yeah. It's, yeah. Be a people person. And are we going to talk about Warren Buffett next week? Or next I time? I don't know. Okay. He, he's always going to be there. Very yeah. clever guy. But, yeah. um, but something might happen this week that will trigger right. something else. Okay. <laughs> Watch this space. 